stand and clap your hands unto the Lord and magnify the name that's above every other name. His name is high and exalted in all the earth. He's worthy of our best, our highest, our greatest. Come on, somebody love him today. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Our God is worthy of our praise. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to the book of Exodus, chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, uh, verse 1 is where we will begin. While you're turning there, let me say again what an honor it is to be back in this wonderful place that I hold very dear to my heart. I love and appreciate so much the Sampson family. They are, they are the family, extended family, I feel like to me, that just you meet some people and you connect so well that you just felt like you've known them your whole life. That's exactly how I feel about the whole Sampson family. I love them and appreciate them very much. Amen. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 1. I promise I'm not going to preach as long as I did Wednesday night. Uh, but I am going to preach long enough to get the point across. Praise God. And uh, the Bible reads, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak you unto all the congregation of Israel saying, In the tenth day of this month shall take to them every man a lamb. Everyone say a lamb. I'll say it like you're preaching with me. A lamb. According to the number of the souls, every man according to the eating shall take count. This is verse 4. I'm, I'm skipping around because I don't want to spend too much time here. But every man shall take according eating to... Uh, to make his count for the lamb. Now, there's, there's something that's beautiful here, and we're going to talk about this in extension, if you will, for the next few moments. But verse 4, uh, as you go through it, the Bible starts laying things out for you. It shows you a picture, and it says that if the household be too little for the lamb. Now, you can read the rest of this chapter, chapter 12. You can go into chapter 13. Uh, of course, we know this is the Passover, but you can read the rest of this chapter and you won't find one place where the Bible says, if the lamb is too little for your house. It just says, if your house is too little for the lamb. And he gives us, he gives us instruction on what we are to do with the leftover. He said, you take it to your neighbor and if your neighbor can't eat it all, then you burn it. And we go through that, but again, I'm not going to preach all of that today. Hopefully not, because I'm already kind of hungry. But anyway, uh, but there, there is this picture here as God is showing his people that the household is too little for the lamb. With that being said today, I want to preach on this thought for the next few moments. Leftover lamb. Leftover lamb. Would you help me right now by lifting your hands to heaven? and your voices and ask God that he would move in this place and help us. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. God, we give you glory. We give you honor. There's nobody like you. Lord, you're wonderful. You're perfect. God, there's nothing that you cannot do. Oh, God, you're so mighty. I'm asking you, Lord, right now to have your way in this house. 
on a Sunday morning fills somebody with the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Touch us, change us, challenge us by your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody lift your voice and praise him. Lift your voice and love him. Thank you, Lord. Woo. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated if you promise to help me preach. If you don't, you can be dismissed in the fear of the Lord. I'm kidding. Amen. This scripture text, Exodus chapter 12, is a place that we take our attention a lot of times when we begin to talk about the blood of the spotless lamb, when we begin to talk about uh, so many things in scripture, this is the beginning picture of what it is like to be delivered from sin. God's people are in captivity, like maybe someone here today. And while in captivity, God begins to make a way where there is no way. Can I just pause for a moment here and tell you that that same God is in this house this morning and he is still able to make a way where there is no way. The God that we serve on this Sunday morning is still able to open up prison doors. He's still able to set the captive free. He's still able to show you that you're not too far gone and you're, you don't have too much baggage that God can't help you. I'm here to tell you today, we're serving a God that can help you, that can save you, that can pick you up and turn you around and change your whole world. Hallelujah. And so as, as God's people are getting ready to walk out of Egypt, this exodus, this place of bondage, now understand that God begins to give them a, uh, a chart of how they are to get out. Now let me just tell you, you don't just get up and walk out of the stuff like Egypt. You don't just walk away from things that have had you bound your whole life. You don't, just, you don't just leave stuff that you've been uh, in captivity to and been entangled with your entire life. Now understand, these people, this, this people that we're preaching about and we're talking about, they were born in captivity, Brother Samson. They didn't just walk in one day and decide they were gonna live in Egypt and then leave. No, no, no. Their ancestors' ancestors had been in Egypt. Their, their great-grandfathers had been in bondage. They were born into slavery. The Bible makes it very plain that we are born in sin and shapen in iniquity. That is the picture that is painted here. These people are born and you can't, when you are born into this kind of slavery and this kind of bondage, this kind of captivity, you have to understand that there is a process to walking out of it and getting to the promise that God has for you. You can't just get up one day and decide you're going to be different. Uh, you can read all the self-help books you want to read and you can, you can try to implement all of those things and I'm thankful for all that stuff. Thank God for it. Thank God for the philosophers. But I'm just going to tell you, you just can't make up in your mind to be different and be different. There has to be something that changes in your spirit. 
So God begins to give them a plan because he understands that your own plan is not capable of getting you out of Egypt. Your own strength is not capable of getting you out of Egypt. Your own intellect is not capable of getting you out of Egypt. Let me just tell you today, if you're in bondage, if you're in captivity, if you're dealing with depression and anxiety and fear, you're not going to be able to fix that on your own. And again, you can read all the books you want to read, but at the end of the day, you need the power of the Holy Ghost. You need the power of an almighty God living on the inside of you. I can't make it on my own. I can't do it on my own. Paul said it like this. In myself, there is no good thing. But I like what Brother James said when he said every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father above. I'm here to tell you, if you need deliverance, I can't deliver you. The church can't deliver you. But we know a God that can deliver you. I know a God that can make a way. I know a God that can step into Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. I know a God that is able. Hallelujah. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to preach to you from my heart for a moment. I know what it's like to try it on my own. And you know what I found out, Brother Samson, is I dig myself deeper into the pit. When I try to do it on my own, I end up making a mess of stuff. When I try to get out of Egypt on my own, the slavery gets worse. The depression gets worse. The anxiety gets worse. When I try to get out of Egypt on my own, the addictions get worse. But when I look under the hills from whence cometh my help, my help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and of earth. So, God begins to lay out this plan. God has a plan. This process that God laid out, this plan was, you take a lamb per house. And again, the Bible says, if the lamb be too much for your house. He said, now I understand that that you might have a big house. And you might have a lot of problems. He said, but I want you to understand also that the lamb is big enough for your house. Woo, I feel like preaching this today. The Bible, again, I want to remind you not one time says while you're preparing this lamb, while you're getting ready to leave out of bondage, you, you might need to go and slay another lamb. He never says one time that you, you might want to put two or three up against the house because if you eat all of the first one, that, that you might need to kill another one. No, that's not what he says, Brother Samson. He said, if the lamb be too much for you. Now, I'm, I'm going to get a little ahead of myself right here, but just let me, just let me take my time today and tell you that when John was looking in Revelation he talks about the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth and if you will allow me to imply that here you would understand that you might feel like you need a backup plan but God said that the lamb is going to be enough there's enough lamb to cover you there's enough lamb to cover your children there's enough lamb to cover your grandchildren. This was preordained in the idea of God. As they would go into Goshen, God said, I've already got a lamb prepared. I've already made a way of escape. This whole picture is beautiful to me because as God's people get ready to go to bondage, as they get ready to go into Egypt, 
It, this is supposed to be a blessing, but it becomes a burden. That's why you gotta be careful. Oh, help me, Jesus. You have to go through Egypt. Egypt is a part of the process. The problem is, is people get comfortable in Egypt and they start camping out in Egypt. And if you stay in Egypt long enough, they'll make you slaves. And, and so what happens is God is setting this up. They're going to Goshen and they're getting ready to dwell in the land of Egypt for a time and for a season. The Bible says that Joseph would tell the Israelites, when the Egyptians ask you what your occupation is, you tell them that they are herdsmen. And the Bible makes a very plain statement here. It says, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. He said, everybody that learned that knows how to watch sheep, that's an abomination. You want to know why? The Egyptians don't want you connected to the shepherd because the shepherd is what's going to connect you to the lamb and the lamb is what's going to get you out of Egypt. I'm going to tell you, the spirits of the Egyptians don't like it when a preacher gets in the pulpit and says, you got to repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You want to know why the spirits of Egypt don't like that? It's because it understands that you're being connected to the shepherd and the shepherd is going to connect you to the lamb. They said, you keep them stinking shepherds over there in Goshen. We don't want anything to do with the shepherd. We don't want anybody trying to watch us and tell us what to do. Can I tell you, we're not, ain't nobody telling you what to do. I'm just trying to tell you how to be saved this morning. There's a preacher in this house that wants you to know that if you connect yourself to the lamb, the lamb's going to get you out of Egypt. Oh, they're brainwashing you. That's all because the Egyptians know that if you're going to come out of what you've been in, it's because the shepherd said, there is a lamb that has shed his blood for you. There is a lamb that has opened the door for you. There is a lamb. (laughs) Egyptians don't like shepherds because they know that nothing is more devastating to the powers of hell than a preacher that'll stand in a pulpit and tell you what you need to do to be saved. The Egyptians don't like preaching. Why do you think that in 2023 we've seen more attacks than we've ever seen in our world today on the voice, not the preacher himself, but the voice trying to discredit the voice of the shepherd. I I understand that shepherds have problems just like everybody else. If you're looking for a perfect preacher, quit looking. You're not going to find one. They don't exist. They all got flaws. They all got problems. They all all got flesh that they got to deal with as well. And so what Egypt is, I'm preaching to somebody right now in the Holy Ghost. What Egypt is trying to get you to do is nitpick the shepherd to the point to where you can't hear the shepherd's voice, but the farther you get away from the shepherd, that means the farther you're getting away from the lamb. The farther you get away from the voice of the one that is connected to the lamb, that means the farther you're getting away from the one that's gonna get you out of Egypt. Don't discredit the voice of the shepherd. Don't Let me just preach to somebody right now. Well, you don't know, preacher. I got hurt by a shepherd one time. Well, let me tell you something. I've been hurt by people too. I've been hurt by saints. I've been hurt by deacons. I've been hurt by ushers. I've been hurt by the bar waitress that was sitting down there that was having a bad day when she spilled the food and said something. I've been hurt by truck drivers that pulled over and cussed me out. 
if you're looking at the preacher and saying the preacher hurt me, guess what? There's other people that have hurt you too. And what's happening is the voice of Egypt is saying, don't listen to the shepherd because he don't want you to know that the shepherd's going to help you get out of Egypt. If you look for a reason to be hurt, you can find a reason to be hurt. Oh, help me, Jesus. I feel like preaching this right now. I, I, this ain't in my notes. This ain't where I was planning on going. But this is just what I feel in the Holy Ghost. If, if you look for a reason to get offended, you can get offended. Listen, you listen to me preach long enough, you're going to find something I preach that you don't like that ruffles your little feathers and you're, you're exactly right. I might have said it wrong. I might have said something insignificantly uh, to me, but it meant something to you. I might have said something out of insensitivity, but at the end of the day, don't, 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 please hear me today. Don't disconnect yourself from the shepherd. That's what the devil wants you to do because he wants to keep you in Egypt. He may have been living in Egypt a long time, but let me tell you something. If you think for one moment that there's not enough lamb, you need to know that in this house there is leftover lamb. You need to know that God brought me out and God said when you get done eating the lamb, Brother Samson, you take that lamb to your neighbor and you let your neighbor consume of that lamb. That means if God delivered me, there is enough power of God that he can deliver you too. If God made a way for me, he can make a way for you. Is there anybody here? God brought you out of alcoholism and you can tell that there's still enough leftover lamb to bring somebody else out of alcoholism. God brought me out of drugs and so there's enough lamb that it can bring you out of drugs. God brought me out of dysfunction in my family. Me and my wife were about to bust apart. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. But God, they got a testimony. You're looking around at people today that got a testimony that said God put my marriage back together. My wife and I are still together today because there was somebody with a testimony of the lamb. And he said there was enough for me and I got leftovers for you too. Same God that delivered me can deliver you. The same God that made a way for each and every individual in this house today that brought them out of darkness into his marvelous light. His power has not diminished. His power has not failed. He is still the lamb and there's still enough left for you. If you feel insignificant, there's enough lamb for you. If you feel like you've done so much that God can't forgive you, there is enough lamb for you. First Peter, chapter one, Peter writes about it. He said, with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was foreordained. Yeah. He said, he was in the idea and the mind of God that this lamb was to be slain before he said, let there be light and there was light, there was a lamb. Before he said, let there be firmament, and the land appeared, there was a lamb. 
before he commanded the firmament to bring forth uh, animals and, and the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, there was a lamb. If Peter is correct, uh, before the earth was void and without form, uh, there was a lamb. And as God begins to create, God creates this man by the name of Adam. I don't have time to preach at all, but just let me tell you about this man, Adam, for a moment. He was put into a paradise with God. He was walking in the garden of Eden with God in the cool of the day. God saw that it was not good for the very first time. He said it's not good for man to be alone, so he gives him a helpmate. He puts him to sleep and he takes a rib from his side and he gives us Adam and Eve, the father of all in the earth. And, and Adam and Eve begin to fail God and God has to kick them out of the garden. But can I tell you that there was enough lamb that when God looked at Adam and Eve, he could have started over and said, I'll just kill these two and I'll make me two more. But there was so much lamb there that God said, I'm gonna let the blood of that lamb cover Adam and I'm gonna let it cover Eve and I'm not gonna kill them. I'm just gonna kick them out of the garden. And when time goes on and Adam and Eve have kids, there's a son by the name of Cain that kills his brother Abel. And when he should have died the same death that his daddy Adam should have died, there was enough lamb left over that God said, I'm gonna cover Cain and I'm not gonna kill him. There was enough lamb left over that when, when Enoch started walking around in an evil and perverse generation, the Bible says that Enoch, by faith, pleased the Lord. How did you please God, Enoch? Because I got in contact with the lamb. You can read from Enoch to Noah, and Noah is living in an evil generation. The world is wicked. It repented the Lord that he even made man, but he looked at Noah and the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know what it was? Is there was enough lamb left over from Abraham. There was enough leftover lamb from Adam to go to Abraham, to go to Isaac, to go to Jacob, to go through the Old Testament when God's people failed and followed after idolatry. When they started repenting, God said, I can't help it. I just got to forgive them because there's enough lamb to cover you in your sin. I'm just going to tell you, y'all better be glad I'm not God. Because I don't forgive as easy as God does. He said stuff like, I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. And, and God's people keep going into sin, and they keep worshiping other gods. But every time somebody repents, he just takes them back. Because there was enough lamb, Brother Samson. Abraham finds himself in this place needing the lamb. As he... I wish I had time to preach the types and shadows of Christ through Isaac's life, but I don't right now. Isaac is carrying the wood on his back up a hill for sacrifice. And it's a picture of Jesus taking that wooden cross and going up that hill called Golgotha, getting ready to be sacrificed. And Isaac asked his father a question. Father, as Jesus would pray in the garden, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Abraham looks at his son after he asked him the question, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham makes a statement. He says, son, God will provide 
himself a lamb. And guess what? When he gets on top of the mountain, he gets ready to sacrifice. There's no lamb there. There's a ram. Lord, I don't have time to preach all this, but just let me give you the, the, the blood and guts. You can go home tonight and put skin on it later. He says, God will provide himself a lamb. Oh, no, I don't, I don't get this. Why is there a ram there? Do you understand quite literally that Abraham is prophesying of the Christ himself? And when he, when he found the ram in the thicket, it was literally, now I, I don't have, again, I don't have time, but there is a difference, very strict difference in scripture between a ram and a lamb. A ram is full of pride. He pushes his way to the top uh, of the hierarchy amongst, him, uh, amongst his peers by beating his way into the top. He, he, he becomes the big guy on the block uh, by bullying everybody out of the weight but in contrast and, and this is the picture here that Abraham takes that pride and takes that 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 sin nature that takes that that nature that wants to push its way to the top and he puts it on the altar and he sacrifices it and by contrast when the lamb comes uh, there was no pride in him for Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7 says but he made of himself no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of, of men. The Bible says that the lamb, that, that, that it was so much left over that when Abraham went, he sacrificed the pride. But when Christ came, he came in the form of a servant and was obedient even unto death. There wasn't just enough Abraham, enough lamb for Abraham, but Abraham was prophesying of a day that there was gonna be enough lamb for everybody. He was, he was saying, God will provide himself a lamb for sacrifice and he was reaching into the future and saying I don't know what you've done but there's enough to cover it I don't know how bad you failed God but there is enough there was enough through the Babylonian captivity there was enough that when God got ready to start pouring out his spirit on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 8 the apostle Philip comes up beside this Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter two, verse 38, ain't been written yet. He begins to talk to this Ethiopian eunuch and he asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch understood that conviction was being poured out on him. He was feeling something that he had never felt before. He couldn't read Acts chapter two, verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That had not been written yet, but you know what he started doing? He opened up his Bible and you can read in Acts eight what he was reading. He was reading from Isaiah chapter 53 and verse seven. He said he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sleep to the shearers is dumb so he opened not his mouth. This Ethiopian eunuch didn't know what he was feeling but he understood if I'm going to read about redemption if I'm going to get some kind of an answer for this conviction I'm feeling I got to open up Bible and I got to find where it talks about the lamb and God sent a preacher to tell him there's enough for you. Here is water. What hindereth 
I'm telling you today, if you're like the Ethiopian eunuch and you're struggling in life, I want to tell you what Philip told him. Do you understand what you're reading about? It's a story about a lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. I know you've been opening up your Bible and it don't make any sense, but let me tell you what it's about. It's about a God that loved you so much that he became flesh and was tempted as we are tempted, yet without sin, and he died for you. Woo. They tried to stone him, but there was enough lamb to pick up a little girl that it was caught in the act of adultery and say, ye without sin cast the first stone. They tried to cast him down from the mountain. I'm talking about the lamb. They tried to throw the lamb down from the mountain. The Bible says that he found a little boy that would throw himself into the fire and he delivered him from the demoniac. They tried to tempt him. Oh, they tried to tempt him with the law. But the lamb said, I came not to condemn the law, but to fulfill the law. They tried their best to get him in every angle, but what they didn't understand is that he was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. Herod tried to kill him, but the lamb turned 12 and showed up at his father's house teaching in the temple. You know what I'm trying to tell you? There's always gonna be some lamb left over. And you can try to diminish it all you want to. And you can try to explain it away if you want to. And you can try to philosophize if that's even a word. And try to figure it out and try to say, well, I don't understand all this running and jumping and shouting and dancing and running the aisles that they're doing down at the church in the Osho. Let me tell you what it's about. We found a little bit of leftover lamb. That's... We found something that, that, that was a sure, a nail in a sure place. We found something that would change you when you were unchangeable. I found something worth shouting about on a Sunday morning. I found something worth lifting my hands over on a Sunday morning. I, I know the world's been chewing off of it for a long time, but, but there's still, there is still enough lamb for you and for me. Say, preacher, you don't know how bad I've been and you don't know what I've done. Well, let me tell you what John saw. He said, I saw the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. That's the beginning. John saw a picture of the lamb in its very beginning moments. But in Revelation chapter five, in verse one, he said, I saw, he looks, he looks to the end of time. Brother Samson, he's looking through the spirit to the end of time. And he said, I saw one sitting on the throne and he had a book in his hand and it was sealed with seven seals. And he said, and I looked in the earth and there was nobody that could open it in the earth because nobody was worthy. And I looked in the heavens and there was nobody in the heavens that was, that was worthy to open the book. He said, and so I began to weep. He said, and I looked and it was first a lion. 
He said, I, I was just crying because nobody could open up this book and I didn't understand it all. He said, but then there was an elder. That elder showed up and touched me on the shoulder and said, oh boy, you can stop your weeping. Turn around and look. And John said, I turned and I looked and behold, a lamb as it had been slain was sitting on the throne. Do you understand the implication of what I'm preaching to you right now? Is John is looking past past everything. John is looking through Adam, through Eve, through the fail of Noah, through the failure of Adam, or Abraham, through the failure of Isaac and Jacob. We get into the New Testament. He looks through the failure of Judas. He looks past World War I and World War II. He looks past Hamas and Israel. He looks past Ukraine and Russia and he sees the end of time. And John said, when I looked at the end, I seen the lamb and he was still in one piece. We've been eating on him for thousands of years but there was still enough lamb for the lamb to be recognized as the lamb don't you tell me you've done too much that the lamb can't cover you because John saw the end of time. A billion people sinning at one time on the earth and John said, I saw the lamb and he was still alive. He looked like he'd been slain but he came out of the throne and there was still enough left. And John goes on. Woo! John, y'all better get up here and help me. If you don't, I might preach all day now that I'm into this part. John goes on. John starts looking around. John, John is on a tour of heaven. John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth coming down. I wish I had time to preach about that, but I don't today. John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth and it was coming down. Now understand, John had partook of the lamb. John had sat with him when he said, this is my body, eat of it. And John had laid his head on the lamb and said this is the disciple that the Lord loves John had sat with the lamb when the lamb said this is my blood now drink of it he had drank from the same cup that the lamb had drank from he knew what the lamb looked like he he knew what the purpose of the lamb was he's been eating the lamb at least three years he's took the Passover feast with the lamb now he's been beaten now he's been abused now he's been dipped in hot oil now he's been putting on an aisle called Patmos and he's all by himself and he's mad and he's angry because I'm not getting treated the way I should be treated Ooh, I'm preaching to somebody now and John starts looking around and he said, and I, I, I was looking at the, at the foundation of the heavens. He said, Brother Samson, when I saw the foundation, I saw the stones. And in the stones was the name of the 12 apostles. You got to understand this. John hadn't died yet. He's still alive. He's having a revelation. He's getting a picture of that great and final day. He's getting a picture of what it's gonna be like when we walk on streets of gold and walk through gates of pearl. And John, who is bitter, John, who is angry, John, who's been beat up by the world and spit up by the world, has looked and saw the lamb. And he's wondering, is there enough lamb to get me off of Patmos? Is there enough lamb to get me through my grievances? And he looks at the foundation. There's Matthew, there's Mark, there's Peter, there's James, there's Andrew, there's Bartholomew. John, oh my God, my name's there. 
My name's, it's, it's in the foundation of the city. Can you imagine the excitement that John got when he looked and seen I'm not there yet, but I'm gonna make it because the lamb already made a way. The lamb, it's enough for me. The lamb's enough to keep me. You can't tell me, stand with me if you will. You can't tell me that you've done so much that the lamb can't cover you. Because John's seen the end of time. And he saw the lamb. I'm, I'm, I'm closing, but let me tell you this. There was two purposes of the lamb in Exodus 12. He said, you take the blood and you cover your doorpost. He said, but you take the meat and you fill your belly. You understand that's a type of baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost? He said, you take the blood of the lamb and you apply that to the outside. He said, but you're going to fill the inside with something and you eat it till you get full. If you need a better type and shadow of baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, I don't know of one. I'm just telling you today in 2023 in November that the blood of the Lamb is for you and that the spirit of the Lamb, the meat of the Lamb can fill your spirit and you can say out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Come on, there's enough Lamb for you here today. Why don't you step out in the aisle and make your way to an altar and lift your hands and let the lamb fill you. Come on, let him touch you with his blood. And let him fill you with your spirit. Come on, everybody that would, would just step out from the aisle and make your way to the altar. Come on, God, fill me with the lamb. Fill me with the lamb. He's always watching over me, Jehovah.